This is Pat Boyle. Thanks for listening to the Hockey Show Podcast brought to you by Miller Lite, the presenting sponsor of the 2020 ESPN 1000 Virtual Fantasy Football Championship. Find out how to be a part of it at ESPNFFC.com. The first Midwest Bank studio, this is WMVP Chicago, ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Let's do that hockey. Hockey is back, and so is the hockey show. With Brian Hanley, I am Pat Boyle. Welcome into the hockey show on August 1st, 2020. (laughs) Cannot believe I'm saying that. We're five hours away from the Blackhawks dropping the puck with the Oilers in game one of their best of five. Corey Crawford expected to be your starter. Did you see enough Wednesday night, Brian, to make you feel confident that Crow is ready for Edmonton? I guess the question is, did he see enough? Yeah, 11 shots in 30 minutes. Uh, you know, it, it was great that he turned away all 11 shots, but I would like to have seen him lather up a little more. But the good news is he didn't get hurt. And as he said, unless something crazy happens, and hopefully nothing will check with Stan if nothing crazy happened, uh, we would expect, I'd be shocked if he wasn't in net today. But so far, so good. Uh, after 143-day pause, that's a pretty good break for between hockey games. But how about it? Playoff hockey here this afternoon when it's going to be about 80 degrees, and I'll take it. Yeah, 24 teams, a little over two months, they will decide who hoists Lord Stanley's Cup. And, you know, the the Hawks, they have a shot. We'll see what happens in this best of five. What is your prediction for the series? 312-332-3776. Do you feel confident that Crow is ready to go in just one week's time? Again, 312-332-3776. We've got Stan Bowman joining the show at 9.35. If you've got a question for Stan that you'd like us to ask, you can tweet us at ESPN Hockey Show or at Brian Hanley 534 or at Boyle NBCS. You know, Pat, uh, the the other day I was talking to a friend of mine, a Blackhawks season ticket holder. I said, hey, did you watch the the game last night uh, on Wednesday? He goes, what game? I'm like, what? (laughs) I mean, because I didn't think they started yet. I said, well, it was an exhibition game. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, Jeremy Carlton wanted to you know, treat it like a playoff game. I hope that most diehard Blackhawk fans didn't let the 143 days take away their, you know, their interest in this team. Because this is a gift from the hockey gods. And now it's up to the Hawks to take advantage of it. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, Wednesday night, it, people are still tired of hearing return of play, collective bargaining, sure. you know, COVID testing. So, uh, you know, coming up in two hours, the NHL is going to drop the puck. The very first game is the Rangers and the Hurricanes from Toronto. But uh, if you watched Wednesday's game against the St. Louis Blues, now again, St. Louis is the top seed in the West. They're one of the four teams that are going to play around Robin. They're already in the dance. They're going to be one of the 16 teams, but they are in that round robin playing for seeding one through four. But they're not, their, their hockey lives are not at stake like the Blackhawks and, oh, by the way, the Oilers. So when the Hawks took the ice on Wednesday night, there might have been a little more urgency to their game where St. Louis may have been just trying to, 
stay healthy and get to the round robin and not worry about, uh, you know, every win matters for them. But I liked what I saw. A, number one, Corey Crawford played half the game, stopped all 11 shots he, he faced. Uh, he was tracking pucks through traffic. Special teams, which we think is going to be a major factor in this upcoming series against Edmonton. The Hawks were two for four in the man advantage, and they killed all four St. Louis power plays. Did they only give up two shots on those power plays, if I count it correctly? That is correct, and it was... See, that's uh, pretty good. Yeah, and it was late. It was in the third or the fourth power play that they finally gave up those shots. So, special teams look good. I thought the addition of Dominic Kubalik on the... Taves and Sodline, which had been uh, previously uh, had Alex Debrinkit in that spot. Kubalik, who's a finalist for the Calder Cup trophy, is one of the top rookies in the NHL this year, picked up right where he left off. Two goals and a helper. He's got a great shot from the slot, Brian, and he plays that bumper roll on the power play with Kirby Dock in front. And those two, I know it says rookie next to their name as far as games played. Right. They're not playing like rookies. Well, and here's the thing. You know, when you look at that line in particular, if you just look individually, you know, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, and Dominic Kubelik combined for 12 power play goals on the season before it was suspended. James Neal of the Oilers has 12 of, of his own power play goals, and he's not one, you know, he's, he's having a resurgent year, but he's not, obviously not one of their big guns. So that's how important the special teams are going to be. You know, five on five, the Oilers have uh, only averaged about two goals per game. So they make all their hay when they have the advantage. And boy, do they. You pointed out last week, historically really great power play, uh, not since 1979 that we've seen almost a 30% conversion rate. So that's where it's all going to happen with the uh, Hawks PK. And, and the Edmonton Oilers PK is pretty good, too. So... Well, you know, the special teams, as it always does in hockey, comes down to goaltending and special teams. I got a chance this week to talk to Jonathan Taves. Uh, he, of course, was in Edmonton in the bubble, and we uh, we covered a variety of topics. The first thing I asked Taves, what was about bubble life? And is it is it that different being on the road in this scenario than being on the road in years past for the postseasons? Here's Taves. Well, to be honest with you, it, it doesn't really. Um, you know, it's kind of weird if you want to go for a walk, you want to get some fresh air, you want to go for a coffee, you can't really do it. So, um, but, I mean, you know, we'll find ways to complain about that, but ultimately it isn't any different than, you know, our cup runs where we, were, we didn't leave the hotel and all we did was play Mario Kart anyway, so. It's all about hockey, and that's why we're here. So, Does it remind you of uh, maybe back youth days when you guys would all go on a, at a tournament in some city and, and be at the same hotel? Yeah, I mean, I honestly thought that exact thing today. Uh, bus is peeling out of the parking lot, and uh, you're seeing, you know, Dallas, Nashville, Minnesota, all these other teams playing uh, two-touch two touch or soccer, warming up in the parking lot outside the rink, and, it made me think of just like, uh, you know, a bunch of kids that love hockey playing a triple A summer hockey tournament on the road. Um, but now we're all grown up and we're all professionals. So it's, it's kind of cool in that way. Um, so yeah, in that sense, it, it did bring me back a little bit to hockey terms when I was a kid. 
It's just like a Pee Wee tournament in uh, in Edmonton where they're playing shinny hockey in their rooms, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I saw where they're playing bags and basketball outside the uh, Rogers Center. I didn't. It didn't say whether they were playing other teams or just uh, amongst themselves, but that would have been interesting. I would imagine there were some wagers going on. Yeah, so it's uh, it's, it's got to be different seeing the uh, the guys you're going to face, and basically it's it's you and the other eleven teams that are all uh, in in the same hotel. I think they're sharing two different hotels, but they're both uh, within walking distance of each other. Uh, I also asked Jonathan Taves, what's the biggest challenge when it comes to facing this Oilers team? I think it's just the obvious of, of uh, dealing with their power play, staying off the, the penalty kill, and, and really trying to limit their scoring chances, especially their big guns. So, um, you know, a lot of our talk this week uh, has just been our, our defensive game. Um, I think, we, you know, we see, like, Stromer's line and Kirby's line, um, even Cart. I mean, everyone's playing pretty well, creating a lot of offense and looking good in practice. So we know the offense is going to be there. We just got to make sure we got that defensive game wrapped up. Staying out of that penalty box, that's something that uh, Kelvin DeHaan did not do in his return on Wednesday night. Took a, t- cu- took a couple of penalties in that game. That's one thing that Jer- Jeremy Colleton spoke about. Avoid those stick penalties, Brian. I mean, it just... You know, I, I know that the Oilers are fast and they're going to get behind you at times, but uh, don't compound the problem by uh, p- dropping your stick and and committing a, a penalty like like tripping or hooking. Yeah, and I, I mentioned that when I was talking with Carmen Yurko yesterday. You're going to take penalties, right? But those are the ones where guys got to you know step past you. You can't just put the stick in the blade and you know upend them, and you can't take the stupid penalties because this team will make you pay for it more often than not. So. You know, I was going to ask you when when you're watching the practices. You know, we know that uh, Calvin had his uh, injury issues, but I mean, Connor Murphy and Calvin DeHaan are going to be key to this series. Uh, you know, certainly we with the offense, we know it's got to be Kane and Taves and Kubalik. But defensively, you're going to have to get these guys on the power play. Uh, when Edmonton's on the power play, we're going to have to watch Connor Murphy and Calvin DeHaan and see what you have here moving forward. And I thought they got better as that game went on against St. Louis. I thought DeHaan and Murphy settled in. Keith and Boquist are your top uh, D pairing, and then Oli Mata and Slater Cuckoo are your third pairing. We also saw Lucas Carlson out there, so I, I think you'll actually see him uh, in this series at some point. Uh, we don't know yet who is going to start in net for the Oilers. It's either going to be Mike Smith, the veteran, or Miko Koskinen. Now, Koskinen has the better numbers. Right. He, he doesn't have playoff experience. Smith doesn't have the numbers that Koskinen has and didn't play as well as Koskinen did in the last two weeks during Oilers training camp. So it's going to be interesting to see who Dave Tippett goes with. He started Koskinen the first half of their exhibition game the other night, and Smith came in second. If you read the tea leaves there, it seems like they're they're leaning to Koskinen. Yeah, but I'm a contrarian, and I would almost think that most coaches go with, with the, the veteran experience. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean he wouldn't have a quick hook today. But I would, I, I wouldn't be shocked. And matter of fact, I, if I was betting on it, I'd, I'd say Mike Smith. Even though Koskinen is deserving, probably earned it. Uh, certainly, as you said, with the numbers and the better play throughout the season, 
but I would think he would lean on the more veteran guy, and I would expect to see Smith in there uh, to start the game today. So it's been 143 days since the Blackhawks last played a game, and I know over at NBC Sports Chicago we played all the victories from the three recent Stanley Cups. I asked Taves if rewatching those Cup victories make you appreciate it more now, or does it motivate you to go for it again? For me, the, the, the shutdown in March and literally, you know, sitting around, you know, for a couple months and not having much to do because everything's locked down, no one's leaving their house. To me, that the silver lining was being able to look back a little bit and, you know, and think about those cup runs where the entire city of Chicago is, is along uh, for the ride with you. But as a player, you don't really get to stop and smell the roses because that, that takes away from your focus. It takes away from you being able to do your job. And, and uh, you know, so it was, was kind of nice to be able to look back and enjoy that and appreciate uh, it for how special it really is. And also not necessarily be on the clock um, for next season because everything was so up in the air. So I think... Um, it's been 13 seasons for me now in Chicago, and I mean, it's scary how fast it flies by. And, and for me, having that time to uh, kind of reminisce and think about that was really good to just slow things down and appreciate what I've been lucky enough to experience here in Chicago. You know, when you think about it, Brian, it's been 13 years. First of all, it's I can't believe it's been 13 <laughs> that, how years. About, I, was, I was just saying, really, it really is that it, it's amazing, right? Yeah. I mean, and and the, their summers have been so short. Most of that is because they're so damn good and they played so deep into the summer that uh, they didn't have much time off. So for a lot of these guys, a lot of them, probably most of them, this is the first time they've been able to get away from hockey since they were a little kid. And it was interesting to hear how he reflected upon those accomplishments earlier in his career and how the last three years, being lean years, uh, may have stoked the fire a little bit, too, to get back to where they once were. And it's great to hear, and it's great to hear from the leader of the team that he feels that way. So I imagine that permeates throughout the dressing room. I'm I'm really interested to hear from Hawks fans. Uh, are they as excited? Have they missed it for 143 days? Are are they looking forward to this? I mean, the, the Hawks were gifted into this tournament, so does that taint this at all for a Hawks fan? Or do you know, frankly, do they just think they're not a very good team that we're not going to make the playoffs but for this tournament and this pandemic? And so the excitement level is not where it would be normally. I'd love to hear from Hawks fans because I'm not really getting the buzz I thought it would be leading up to this afternoon's game. What is your prediction for the series? 312-332-3776. You've got a question for Stan Bowman. Uh, give us a tweet at at ESPN Hockey Show. And by the way, the Hockey Show is presented by Coors Light. Be prepared for the playoffs by making a beer run from your couch. Find out how at get.coorslight.com. Coors Light, mountain cold refreshment, aid to chill. Coming up, we will uh, talk to the Senior Vice President and General Manager, Stan Bowman. Get your thoughts on the upcoming series, and we'll break it all down. It's all coming up on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. ESPN 1000, The Hockey Show. Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. Uh, as far as the goalie situation, I mean, you guys know it's playoff time here, and we're going to 
Uh, we're, we're only focused on winning. I just want to make sure you aren't going to tell us who the goaltender is, correct? That is correct, yeah. <laughs> Jeremy Carlton, not his first rodeo. <laughs> we're back on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. We're less than five hours away from the Hawks and Oilers game one of their qualifying series. You can better believe you can put the mortgage on it. You can put your paycheck on it. Corey Crawford's going to be in that crease for the Blackhawks this afternoon when uh, they take the ice in Edmonton. But, of course, there's that gamesmanship going on, and uh, oh, no way is he going to he's going to divulge who's starting. Well, I remember we used to have the Big Ten uh, teleconference way back when, and someone asked legendary coach, Iowa coach Hayden Fry. Basically, it was I think it was a kid from a student uh, college paper. He's like, Coach, well, what's your game plan going to be for Saturday? And there's this long pause. He said, now, son, do you think I just rolled out from underneath the log yesterday? You're going to have to show up Saturday and find out. <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll get your predictions on this series. What do you think is going to decide this best of five? Give us a call, 312-332-3776. Where do the Hawks have the advantage? Uh, and what concerns you the most from the Blackhawks' perspective? I want to get back to Taze for one, one quick thing here before we move on, Brian. And, you know, he was nominated this past week for the King Clancy Trophy, which is an award, in case people don't know, it's given to the player who best shows leadership qualities on and off the ice and has made a noteworthy humanitarian contribution to his uh, community. So during the pause, Taves was very generous with his money for COVID relief. He used his voice, had that Instagram post following the murder of George Floyd and the riots here in Chicago. He also uh, put action to his words and helped rebuild some of the areas that were devastated uh, here in Chicago as well. So I asked him if he plans to use this playoff stage in Edmonton to further the conversation or be a catalyst for action like the NBA is doing in Orlando. I would say, like, while we're playing games, I don't know if that's the time and place for that sort of thing. I think, um, you know, I think anytime you play playoff hockey and all of Chicago's watching, there's no doubt that as athletes, we're kind of building our platform and our following. Uh, and I think it's, it's, as everyone knows, kind of a responsibility to give back in ways that, that we feel like we're able to. And, and uh, so for me, I mean, people are excited to, to watch hockey right now. Uh, I want to go up there and play my best hockey and, and do what I can to help my team win some playoff games here and give our, give our Chicago Blackhawks fans, sports fans, something to cheer, cheer for. You know, and I think there's a time and place for that. And, and you know, it's, in the future, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to more opportunities. Obviously, the nomination is, is a huge honor because there's a lot of guys on our team that do incredible work in the community, too. So, yeah, I'm just following their lead, doing the best I can. It's been really cool to uh, work with other football players, basketball players, baseball players, guys like Sam Acho, who is uh, leading the charge for rebuilding. Uh, um, you know, they bought a liquor store, and, and they're going to turn it into a grocery store in Austin, just west of Chicago. So I think for me, being a part of an initiative like that with other Chicago athletes where everyone's kind of coming together, something I've never really seen in my, my career, uh, and the chance to work with those guys from all those other sports teams has been pretty cool. Brian, we've had a lot of quality individuals come to this town and play sports for Chicago teams, and a lot of them have given back to the community. They're classy individuals, and Jonathan Taves is, for my money, at the top of the list. 
You know, it is interesting, Pat, to hear him say that, and you're exactly right. Uh, talking about, you know, joining with Sam Acho and, and cross crossing over to other sports teams in the, in the Chicago area, in the city, I've never seen it done before. I mean, you know, the Bears on their off days go to schools just like a lot of the Bulls do, and lot, you know, but they all did it individually. So what we've seen in the past couple months with uh, an awakening of civil injustice, and I know, look, I'm reading stories about there's blowback that the NHL is not doing enough, not visually doing enough, visibly doing enough, you know, in terms of kneeling during the national anthem. And everyone's got politics or a point of view. But to hear Jonathan Taves quietly doing what he can do and saying, you know, it's not necessarily during game time or during the playoffs to do it, but he's devoting his time and resources to do it. That's terrific. And interesting to hear Danny Wirtz, the interim president of the team, talk about this week to uh, Ben Pope at the Sun-Times, talk about, Growing the sport, uh, we know it's not the most racially diverse sport, obviously, but growing their fan base and talking about how fans come generationally, geographically, racially different and being more inclusive. So, you know, there's a lot there. And uh, moving forward, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. But it's terrific that Jonathan Tate's setting the tone for his team. We do hear that we will see uh, from the NHL players in this tournament, uh, we skate for helmet decals. They'll, they'll wear those in warm-up in support of Black Lives Matter and other social justice movements. So we should see some um, effort and movement from the NHL on some of these social justice movements that have been going on and, and continue to go on and try to get... Uh, some action behind it. So we'll see over the next couple of months just how involved the NHL gets. We've certainly seen in Orlando how much the NBA has already started. Uh, let's get your thoughts on the upcoming series between the Blackhawks and the Oilers. Let's start with Mark in Lake Forest. He's first up on the hockey show. Good morning, Mark. Pat, always great to talk to you, buddy. Um, hey, I'm just excited that I woke up on a Saturday in August and we have playoff <laughs> hockey. Uh I don't think you can ask for anything better than that. Um, and the other thing is, I don't really know what we can expect. Uh, it's like a box of chocolates, you know, Forrest Gump. Uh, we don't know what we're going to get, and but we get to find out really quick. And I think that's what's really exciting about what we're uh, what we're about to go through in the next, uh, you know, several weeks or a couple months. I agree. You know, like everybody wonders what the uh, what the quality of play is going to be like if you watched any of the exhibition games uh brian the teams that were uh not a part of the top four seed in that round robin situation like the blues if you got two teams that are in this five through 12 qualifying series there was a level of play there was a pace to the game there was some bite and grit i was stunned actually with uh, some of the physicality I saw in some of the exhibition games, not the Blackhawks and the Blues. Yeah, no doubt about it, Pat. I mean, I don't know if it's just the, the long layoff and guys want to go out there and hit people. And But it is playoff hockey. And as much as there aren't going to be fans in the stands, and, you know, it'll be interesting, again, how the official, uh, officials treat this, too. Are they not having 25,000 or 22,000 people screaming at them, good or bad, you know, for calls? How do they let them play or, you know, not being influenced by the uh, the the crowds, the home ice advantage for the Edmonton Oilers? I mean, there isn't one, right? I mean, it's a familiar arena, obviously. It's their arena. But to me, it's going to be very interesting to see how the officials treat these games as well. 
You know, one thing I noticed in that game uh, the other night was how lively the boards were uh, behind the net. There was one slap shot. Uh, I think Petrangelo took it. The, the The puck went off the end board and went all the way down, 200 feet down the other way. And uh, Patton Edzo made the reference to the old Joe Louis Arena that used to have almost like a trampoline-like effect on their <laughs> boards. So I, I was wondering, you know, the, the, those are the little subtle nuances that uh, that a home team may have an advantage for where, you know, they're shooting off the boards trying to, uh, you know, look for that backdoor play if, if it caroms off correctly. Those are little things. But like you said, there's not going to be a crowd to build off of or to intimidate the Hawks. Yeah, every arena has its own unique uh, kind of characteristics and advantages. And I remember the old stadium talking to, to Hawks or talking to, to uh, Hawks who had played on other teams before they joined the Hawks. And they had the old steep stairs going up from the basement where the dressing rooms were to behind the net where they came onto the ice. And they said with the, the, you know, the overhanging uh, balcony and the 20,000 people ready to go, half of them had a few pops in by then. He said, it felt like guys like Steve Smith said, former Oilers said, it felt like you were down two goals before you even hit the top step and got on the ice because of those, you just heard the noise. You knew what you're walking into in that arena. But, you know, one thing about Edmonton, they better take advantage of that early in the series uh, and in this series because being in a bubble like this, teams are going to maybe figure out their, their home ice advantage, the characteristics of the boards and the else within a week or so. And I also think, Brian, this first game is is huge. First of all, it's a short series. Uh, the fact, if if the Hawks win game one and the Oilers, again, they don't have the fans to to get on them or to cheer them, but when they leave that arena and they are inside the bubble, everybody that's working in that bubble, for the most part, is an Oiler fan. You don't think you're going to feel over the next 48 hours uh, a couple extra eyes looking your way, maybe some skepticism. Uh, the comments from some uh, a crusty Canadian reporter saying to McDavid or Drysdale, "Oh, you guys are one two in scoring in the NHL during the regular season. Uh, why why are you guys struggling to get that done in the playoffs?" You could see how losing Game One for the Oilers could mount and be some pressure for that team, even though fans aren't a part of the equation. Well, what Edzo tells us last week, it's not a must win, but it's MUS. <laughs> and maybe as we get here today, you can add the T and cross it because, you know, you know, the Hawks are playing with house money, right? So the pressure is on Edmonton to get through the series and, and make a challenge for the Cup. Here's hoping the Hawks are going to do that and, and upset the Oilers. But the Oilers are expected in a big way to win the series. Coming up, Senior Vice President and General Manager Stan Bowman joins us live from the bubble in Edmonton. Do you have a question for Stan that you would like us to ask? Tweet us at ESPN Hockey Show. It's coming up next, the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Now, by your side, through your smart speaker. Just tell it to play ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. We got hockey coming up in a little over four and a half hours. NBC5 is where you can watch today's game, 2 o'clock. Doc Emmerich, Eddie Olchek will have the call. 
We will have the pregame show for you on NBC Sports Chicago. Jamal Mayer, Steve Conroy, and myself. 1.30 for that. Make sure you flip over for the postgame show as soon as it goes final. Game one between the Hawks and the Oilers from Edmonton. And that is where we go now. Uh, right now, it's the vice president and general manager of your Chicago Blackhawks, Stan Bowman, joining us from Edmonton. Good morning, Stan. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing excellent. I'll be, I'll be honest. It was a weird week. So we finished up the, the show last Saturday, and I went over to Fifth Third Arena, and I saw Corey Crawford skate out. Okay, so I'm like, all right, let's let let's see what he can do here. Let let's see how he can ramp up in one week. Then I watched his first practice and watched Wednesday night and talked to his teammates and we talked to Corey and I'm like, you know what? I, with every day, I was getting more and more confident. What's it been like for you knowing that Corey really improves your chances of advancing and watching him try to get ready in this short window? Yeah, Corey's a unique guy. He seems to make it look pretty easy, you know, and even when you talk to him. He's a pretty low-key, easygoing guy, uh, and he's a, obviously a great athlete, great goaltender. So it's been certainly great news for us to see him be able to get up to speed very quickly here, and that's not an easy thing to do, but uh, he's looked really good. You know, he play, played a half a game, and he, he played really well. Uh, he wasn't tested a ton, but he, he was a few times and he looked, he looked sharp as ever. So that was a good sign. And, uh, you know, we're, we're excited for him as well as for our whole team. Stan, uh, being around the team for, uh, since you got to Edmonton last weekend, can you get a sense of how they've handled the challenge of being in a, in a bubble like this and, and just the whole different set of circumstances and, and getting ready for playoff hockey in such a unique situation with no crowd and, and you know, just it, you're in isolation, but, you know, once they drop the puck this afternoon, it's business time. That's right. Well, we, you know, we talked as a group early on that this is a new experience for everybody. We have to make the best of it. It's certainly much different with no fans and, you know, being in the bubble here, but uh, we're just excited to be back as a group uh, playing, I think, this is this is why we get together and play. It's, it's for these moments and being a, a competitive group like we have. Uh, they want that chance to get on the ice and, and play in playoff atmosphere. So uh, the biggest thing is just whether you're playing in Edmonton with no fans or in a full building somewhere, it's the intensity of the games themselves and the competition. And these games are what it, why everybody plays the sport. So... I think there's a, a lot of excitement. You know, we have a number of our guys who have not been part of it before, and uh, you know, they've certainly played in playoff atmospheres at other levels, so they understand what it's like when you get to this uh, point in the season. Uh, but the NHL is a whole different animal, so I, I think there's an anticipation and excitement for them to experience what it is firsthand. Senior Vice President and General Manager Stan Bowman joins us on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Stan, there was an emphasis uh, on special teams in this uh, training camp 2.0, especially the power play. Have you liked the tweaks that were made? And I know statistically they may be rookies, but the two guys in front of the net on that top power play unit, Kirby Doc and Dominic Kubalik in the bumper roll, how impressed have you been with how those two returned after the pause? 
Yeah, they well, they certainly look really good. It was impressive the exhibition game, the way that unit performed, uh, and I, I think you know the the focus for us was certainly the power play and the penalty kill. It's, it's important all the time, but especially in a series. And you know, we know Edmonton has really good special teams, so that's something we have to be aware of going into the series. Uh, but yeah, you can see the progression in both Kirby and and Dominic's confidence. I think that's the biggest thing I noticed. You know, looking back, they they both had good seasons, and certainly Dominic had you know a thirty goal season, so he was he was strong. Uh, but particularly towards the, the latter half of of the season, you know, I think they both were starting out and trying to find their way in the in the league and on the team. But now, at this point, I think they both have that confidence. They can make a difference. They belong on the power play. Uh, you know, we have some different looks there. I think that unit uh, and, and the other unit with, with the Brinkett and Strom, they've, they've been excellent in uh, you know, the camp itself. I think the first probably 10, 10 days of camp, they were the dominant unit uh, when they were doing all the rotations. And now our, our top unit's really picked up, and they look really good in the, in the exhibition game. So um, we have put a lot of emphasis on that. Uh, you know, yeah, it comes down to execution, but I think the preparation's been there, and they've done a lot of repetition on it. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens when the game starts. Stan, it was terrific to see the uh, PK hold the uh, hold the uh, uh, Blues only to two shots on the advantage on Wednesday. Uh, from your perspective, though, and bigger picture, what has been the biggest issue? And moving forward, how do you correct that unit? Uh, the penalty kill, you mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I, it's, a, it's a challenge here with with Edmonton. We, you know, I, I watched their game uh, against Calgary, and they, they had a, a couple nice power play goals in that game. So you can see why they're as good as they are. I mean, they've got talented players, and they – they have a lot of chemistry, and they have uh, they seem to read off each other very well. So, you know, when you're down the man, there's always something that can be exploited. So, it's just how quickly you can react and force them into mistakes, or how quickly the power play can adapt. Uh, and I think that's what their unit's so good at. So, for us, as a unit on the penalty kill, you have to be working in concert with everyone else on the ice. You know, there's there's always somebody open just just by nature of being down one player. So it's making sure that you are working in unison with the group. And you're going to give up some opportunities. You certainly need your goalie to be strong. Uh, and then when you do get those opportunities, um, you have to make sure you get the full clear. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of other little details of, of starting off, face-offs, and you know, getting that entry you know, denial when the other team's coming up the ice. So, you know, there's something we spent a lot of time working on. Um, but you have to accept that you're going to, you know, the other team's going to get some opportunities and you just have to make sure you, you push them into the ones that are least dangerous if possible. Stan Bowman on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000, Hawks and Oilers at 2 o'clock this afternoon. Stan, Danny Wirtz spoke to uh, the Sun-Times and the Athletic this week. Uh, Danny said he has spent a lot of time with you during the pause to really understand your vision with this team. Now, I know you can't go into specifics, but can you share some details of where you want to take this roster and this team? Yeah, it's been great to 
have a chance to spend a lot of time with Danny, especially having him here with the team. It's been it's been really good, I think, for all of us to to get to know him better and for him to see what it's like up close. Um, yeah, I think the in simple terms, the best thing, the biggest thing we're trying to do is to uh, you know grow our team over the coming years so that we can. Um, continue to incorporate younger players and give them expanded roles, you know, not, not exclusively, but when it's deserved, uh, for example, and like Boquist and Kirby Doc, I think have shown that they're ready for uh, a bigger role. And I think we're seeing that, you know, we'll see that even today when we, we start their, their role is going to expand. And I think um, that's something we have to be willing to do in the coming years to, uh, to blend together, we've got these uh, group of veteran players that certainly carry the biggest load uh, because they've done it before. They understand what it takes to win. And we want to lean on those guys to try to, you know, bring younger players into the mix. And, you know, we're going to have a young, we have the youngest group here in the playoffs. And I think we're, you know, we're going to focus on that in the years to come. And uh, so I guess in a simple sense, that's what we're trying to do. Uh, with the idea that you know this is a young man's game now, and you can't win exclusively with young players, but you can't win exclusively with veteran players either. There has to be, uh, you know, willingness to give those young players a, a bigger runway in the coming years. And I think that's what we've talked about. That's what we're we're committed to. We've, we've tried, to, whether it's the drafting and the development or the signing of. Uh, free agent players. There's going to be a, a lot of young guys fighting for spots and fighting for bigger roles in the years to come. Stan, during the break, you uh, reshuffled the front office a bit. Can you tell us what the goal of, of making those moves uh, uh, is intended to be, and, and how does that change the outlook of the hockey operations department? Yes, uh, we did. Uh, it's something we have been talking about uh, really going back to the beginning of the season. Was how can we position our uh, organization in the best way for the coming years. You know, we we have a new CBA now, and part of that is going to be, you know, the, the salary cap's going to stay flat for the next few years. Uh, so it's going to be even more important than ever to have younger players uh, coming into your team that are able to contribute. Um, just that's the way our salary structures work. You know, the young players have uh, you know, lower contracts, and you can make things work easier that way. So with that in mind, um, we tried to create a, a group, a player personnel group, uh, that's going to be focusing their attention on not just pro players, not just amateur players, and not just free agents, but all three of those areas. Um, we certainly still have uh, one group dedicated to the pro scouting with Mark uh, with. Ryan Stewart, amateur scouting is with Mark Kelly, and now Norm McIver is shifting into that role to head up this new group uh, of player personnel that's going to look at all facets of uh, players, um, you know, not just pro or amateur. So uh, in the process of doing that, we had uh, an open spot as the assistant GM, and we broke that into uh, three roles. So we have some new people with bigger voices in the organization, and you know, Kyle Davidson, Ryan Stewart, and Mark Eaton are now um, going to be expanding their role. So the idea was to reshuffle and, and to position ourselves better for 
the things that are going to be important in our game uh, over the next few years. Last one for you, Stan. Uh, you know, I've talked to a lot of the players who have won Stanley Cups with the Hawks, and, and during the pause, we replayed the, the 2010, 13, and 15 Cup runs, and they said that re-watching it made them appreciate it more now, especially with some of the lean years the last three years, and, and it's also motivating them to want to get back there again. As a guy who built those teams, what was it like for you to, to re-watch those, those three championship teams? Uh, I would agree. I think, you know, you we're so close to it. So in the one sense you, you live it, uh, but then you don't always reflect back and watch it. And, you know, we had such, such uh, fun teams to watch and you remember back to those moments of those, those really close competitive series and to see the guys come through in the big moments. I think for me, that's the one thing that always stands out is we had a lot of really talented players on those teams, uh, top to bottom, but watching, uh, you know, guys come through and there's usually just a few moments in a game or in a series that really seem to turn the tide. And we had game breakers that would be able to raise their level in those moments. I mean, certainly Patrick and Jonathan and and Duncan uh, come to mind as guys and hosts. uh, I mean, you don't want to leave anybody out. There's a lot of uh, guys who were able to, you know, when when things got tough and you needed somebody to come through, they could raise their game and make that play uh, to win a game or win a series. So um, it's exciting. to It was fun to watch those and remember what it was like. And uh, now here we are with a chance to create some more moments like that. Well, we're we like- have the Stanley Cup parade on Zoom. How's that going to work? <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll worry about that when we get to it. Yeah, that's, that's one of those champagne problems you like to have at the end of the day, Stan. Uh, well, th- thank you so much for joining us on game day. Uh, good luck to your team here coming up uh, in the tournament in the qualifying round against the Oilers. We look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks, Stan. Great. Thanks for having me. It's Stan Bowman, Senior Vice President, General Manager of the Blackhawks. Get your thoughts on what Stan had to say and your predictions on the series. It's coming up next on The Hockey Show. You're listening, listening to The Hockey Show. Show. Blackhawks fans, you have a new home to talk hockey. Call us or tweet your comments to at ESPN1000. The Hockey Show. This is ESPN1000, Chicago's home for sports. Yeah, we're excited. We've uh, you know done the work, done the preparation, and I think the guys have gotten better and better uh, as we've gone here and uh, nice to get a game in there on on Wednesday, and now it's just uh, let's get going. So, uh, you know, we're going to learn a lot in the first period, just as far as how the how the games are going to go and how the series is going to match up, and uh, looking forward to that. A hundred and forty three days ago, the Blackhawks won a hockey game, and they were six points out of the final wild card spot in the Western Conference. They were the in 12th place in the West. They've got a huge opportunity in front of them. They've got an opportunity to win a best-of-five series against a team that was appreciably better than them in the regular season in the Edmonton Oilers. They get three wins first. They're moving on to the Stanley Cup playoffs. You can't ask for more than that, Brian. No, and I looked at uh, today, the Chicago Sun-Times said a, a fan poll Judging the Blackhawks fans and, and what they believe the chances are for the Hawks to get through the series. And 
Interesting, what, 57% believe the Hawks are going to win this series. Now, you know, it is the Chicago sometimes, not the Edmonton sometimes. <laughs> That's true. But, yeah, but 34.8, let's call it 35%, say Hawks in five. I think they got to jump on them earlier than that. I think, you know, I, I don't think they're going to, anyone thinks they're going to sweep. Hawks, I, Hawks in two, Brian. That's Hawks exactly in two. right, P. Boyle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, you know, if you get to the fifth game, does the Blackhawks Stanley Cup experience come into play, or does that, uh, are, are you on fumes and, and waiting for the uh, power play of the Oilers to put you to rest? Oh, look, I, I, I having the media as the only. Uh, let's just say critic in the building because there's no fans to either boo or cheer. I would think as this series goes on, depending on how it goes, I could see some real tough questions being asked to, to McDavid yeah. and Dreisaitl, and it just might bother him a touch. Let's get John and Rolling Meadows thoughts on this upcoming series. Good morning, John. How are you? Hey, guys. Yeah, you know, I'm as big a Hawk fan as there is in Chicago, probably outside of the media. Um, I was not throwing a party when I heard the Blackhawks made the playoffs this year. I, I think um, it will all depend on the play of Corey Crawford. You don't know what kind of health this guy's in right now. You'd like to think that he's game ready, but, you know, you're expecting a lot out of a guy that got sick. And it, probably just getting his legs under him. He looked good against St. Louis, but, you know, St. Louis wasn't, I don't think they were trying very hard. Everybody's just trying to get their legs back in that game. Um, I, I'm, you know, I'm more concerned right now about the future play mm-hmm. in our net and the fact that we really don't have a goalie to go to if Corey gets hurt or can't play. Uh, we need to figure out our goalie situation in the for the future of this hockey team if we're going to win some more cups. No question about it, John. Thank you for the call. And remember, uh, Corey is an unrestricted free agent right. when this season is over. I- I'm with John. I mean, I think this hinges on what Corey do we get? Do we get, uh, you know, him at 70, 80 percent? Well, here's the thing. I'll take him at 70 or 80 over Subban or Delia. I don't know if 70 or 80% of Corey Crawford's going to get you a win in this series. Well, not only that, Pat, 143 days ago, we were talking about, is Corey going to be here next year? Uh, How much is he going to expect to be paid? And you just heard Stan Bowman give you the fiscal reality of a flat salary cap because no revenue coming in, obviously, these last few months, and, and they're not sure what it's going to look like moving forward. So, you know, the bigger picture questions still are on the table, and there's a little dose of realism from a diehard Hawks fan who still wants big picture questions. But, you know, if you go ahead and win this series, I think Blackhawks fans will be more in the here and now and talking about possibly moving forward versus uh, what's going to look like next season. Thanks to our producer, Eric Ostrowski. Thank you to Stan Bowman for joining us live from Edmonton. Thank you for your calls as well. Uh, coming up next, it's Brian Hanley and Fred Hubner. As they continue the festivities, Blackhawks taking on the Oilers at 2 o'clock on NBC5. I'll see you on the pregame show. Brian, uh, thanks a lot. A lot of fun. and uh, I'll Go be get the makeup on. Get that nice uh, sport coat tie. Get ready. We'll get that we'll all ready to go. And, uh, and hopefully the Hawks will uh, come back with a little win this afternoon and surprise everybody. I'm wearing makeup right now just because. All right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> oh, it's Saturday. <laughs> All right, coming up next, Brian in his makeup and <laughs> Freddie Huebner.
who I know will not be wearing makeup, are coming up next. Or pants. That's it for the hockey show on ESPN 1000.